thankful for our wives uh, who sometimes save us from some of our density. Because uh, we're, we're talking about this on driving to church this morning. And, and Karen says, so um, you're preaching this message about Jezebel. And we just got a woman prime minister. Is there any connection? I'm like, oh, no. No, there's not a connection. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, it's one of the common things that happens when we start talking about issues of spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is quite real. It's going on around us all the time, and it is going on in your workplace, in your school, in your community, in your neighborhood. Now, this does not mean that there's a demon behind every bush. This does not mean that everyone who behaves badly can say, the devil made me do it. That doesn't work that way. We are all responsible for our actions. And sometimes people will misbehave because of their sinful flesh, not because of the influence of any kind of demonic spirit. In fact, uh, spirits cannot affect you unless they have a ground or basis from which to do so. So if you're not living in sin or you're not acting in a sinful way, spirits cannot attack you. They have no basis, no ground to come after you. And it's important for us to understand that twofold dynamic, that there is spiritual warfare going on around us all the time, uh, but this doesn't mean that we're not responsible for what we do, and this doesn't mean that everybody who misbehaves or every problem that comes up is because of some issue of spiritual warfare. And when you begin to talk about these things, and particularly something like the spirit of Jezebel that we'll mention today, uh, more really in a sense as a case study than actually a, a full-blown teaching on Jezebel, uh, when you begin to talk about these things, it is too easy for us to start to make unrighteous leaps. In other words, every strong woman leader is not a Jezebel. Now here at City Temple, we believe that God calls women to be leaders. And we're thankful for our new prime minister. Uh, and we're thankful for women leaders. And we believe in women leaders here. And we want women to, to be strong, faithful leaders. And that does not mean because a woman is a strong leader or because she has a strong opinion or because she knows how to lead well that somehow she is caught up in Jezebel. And what often happens, I see a lot of people uh, who, who maybe have to deal with a strong woman leader and all of a sudden assume that it's a Jezebel because they don't get their way or they get their feelings hurt or something like that. And, you know, and that's not the case. And so we have to have a certain degree of balance when we start to talk about these kinds of issues. Otherwise, we can say, oh, wow, you know, Europe is full of Jezebels now because you got uh, Angela Merkel, you got Theresa May, you got Nicola Sturgeon, uh, you got the new lady that's uh, the mayor of Rome whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, and you can go on and, and you might have Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, it's so easy to start identifying all of this and say, oh, Jezebel, Jezebel, Jezebel. That's not the way this works. Uh, in fact, as soon as you start labeling a person as a Jezebel, you know what you've done? You've sinned. You've sinned. 
Because the Bible doesn't tell us to label people. And that's not the issue in spiritual warfare. Because as Paul says there in Ephesians 6, our struggle, our wrestling, is not against flesh and blood. When you make a person the enemy, you are starting to go down the path of sinfulness. When you make a person the focus of what you have to deal with, whether it's in the marketplace or in the church, you're starting to go down a path of sinfulness. Now, yes, people misbehave, and their misbehavior sometimes have to be disciplined. There are consequences to the choices that we make. There are consequences to the behaviors that we do. We experience these consequences, and it's true, but people are not the ultimate enemy. And so often we enter into a place of dysfunction in the workplace because we're on a team together with two or three other people, and all of a sudden our relationships on that team break down, and we assume that it's because of the other person, and it's the other person's fault. By the way, we almost never assume that it's our own fault. That's a typical thing. It's all human beings do that. We never assume that it's our own fault. We want to blame somebody else for the dysfunction, for the problems, for the things that start to happen, for the things that start to fall apart. And we start to make the person the enemy, but the person is not the enemy. And we miss the fact that sometimes there are spiritual realities at work that if we do not learn how to deal with them in a spiritual way, we will not overcome the dysfunction We will end up increasing the dysfunction. We will increase the problems. And we will start to label people as the problem when it's not the problem. And start to label people as the enemy when actually our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And we are dealing with schemes of Satan in our lives, in our workplaces, in our homes, so on and so forth. A common scheme of Satan, common scheme of Satan for married couples is the pre-church Sunday morning argument. This happens so often that it's easy to identify as a scheme of Satan. So what happens? The man or the woman is late. Maybe they get into an argument. They get all upset. And you know what happens is if you have an argument and it puts you in a bad frame of mind, the next thing you encounter will be influenced by that bad frame of mind. So, for example, if, uh, if husband and wife are having an argument, they go directly to church, and the next thing they encounter, they have a cup of coffee, and they think the coffee is a little too cold. Like, oh, that's terrible coffee. Why can't this church get, get the coffee right? And then they just like, oh, the kids are all noisy in church. You know, why does this church have a place to stuff children in a cupboard somewhere so the, the adults can concentrate? And then, oh, did you hear that guitar? It's a little bit out of tune. I can't believe And that sermon, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard in my entire life. That's terrible. Now, you know, the reason why they think all of this is bad is because they just had an argument. But by the time the church finishes... They've forgotten the fact that they've had an argument and they displace all that anger and frustration onto the church and they end up leaving the church not because of anything that's really fundamentally wrong with the church, but because they had an argument. 
And this is a scheme of Satan, and this is actually such an identifiable dynamic that psychologists and, and sociologists and even economists have identified it and labeled it, and they can work with it. It's common among all people. So we're dealing with schemes of Satan that we have to be aware of. Now, I was encountering this back in May. We were on the sabbatical, and we're in the States, and I have never wanted to quit ministry so badly as I did during the, the two weeks we were in St. Louis. I couldn't believe how much I just wanted to run away. Just wanted to flee. And I'm, I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? This is, I'm so depressed and discouraged and and, and I'm just wrestling with this and wrestling with this and thinking, okay, I can do this. I could buy this house and I could remodel it and I'd still have some money left over from the little that my mom left me and I could, I could do this and that and the other thing. And I, I had all these things going on in my mind and I'm wrestling with this and fighting with this. And I'm just thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? Boy, I'm just tired. And, 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 and after a while, you know, and this is the thing. I've taught spiritual warfare. I've been engaged in spiritual warfare issues for 40 years now, actively engaged. For 40 years, I've been dealing with demonic spirits and stuff like that that I've recognized. And, uh, and I'm going through this, and it never even occurred to me that this was a spiritual attack. You know, it never occurred to me it was a spiritual attack. I'm just like, stupid, stupid, stupid. I mean, just, why, why don't you get that, you know? And, and then, as I began to think, you know, what kind of spiritual issue makes you want to run away if you're a church leader? And it's the same spiritual issue that made Elijah want to run away, even after he had the great victory over the prophets of Baal. It's something that's called the spirit of Jezebel. Now, again, in this case, we, we've got a name, but, you know, it's not important to name spirits. You know, some people get into that, and they get all kinds of weird names. That's not what this is about. It's, it's identified because, uh, as a spirit of Jezebel because Jesus also mentions this in Revelation chapter 2 when he's giving the letters to the churches. And he tells the church there in Thyatira that they are tolerating that woman Jezebel. Now, what is the spirit of Jezebel? Uh, simply, you know, it's, it's a significant demonic principality identified with Jezebel in the Bible whose goal is to undermine and destroy real leadership, especially Christian leaders. She wants to undermine, destroy, weaken uh, real leadership, especially Christian leaders. And you see this uh, activating from time to time. Again, this doesn't mean every woman who's a strong leader is a Jezebel, and sometimes it doesn't even mean it's, a, it's always a, a, a woman that's involved in it. Sometimes men can operate on this thing. But this, this spirit tends to have a number of different dynamics. Uh, it tends to usurp other leadership, wants to make herself to be the legitimate leader, uh, maybe undermine or revile other leaders, uh, might claim a prophetess who claims to speak for God, to have the best Bible knowledge, or undermines the, the words of others, can be seductive, not only with sexuality, but also feigned weakness or vulnerability. Uh, there's sometimes deception that goes on there. Uh, we'll have a little bit of truth, but the truth gets distorted. Uh, there'll be control and manipulative, uh, manipulative and intimidating behavior. Uh, sometimes through a forceful personality. And one of the biggest things you see 
when the Spirit is around is its effect on leaders because it makes leaders feel like they're being silenced, disempowered, drained, and even wanting to run away, wanting to flee. You know, and when this started happening to me, I'm just like, okay, there's a dynamic here. There's a dynamic going on here, and I'm identifying this. She's actually okay, Andrew. She'll, uh, she'll get there eventually. So uh, I love kids, by the way. You know, this is, for those of you that are, are new here, we like kids. We, like, we believe that the place for kids is with their parents worshiping the Lord. And you never know what children pick up. You know, you, you might see, oh, they're kind of wandering about or they're doing this. But I tell you, the Lord is working in their hearts. I'd never underestimate what God is doing in your children being present in worship. It's such a key thing. And that's why, you know, occasional irritations, always parents feel more embarrassed than anybody else about that. Uh, but it is so important. And, and we've seen it. I mean, we're seeing children grow up in this church who are loving Jesus and walking with Jesus. Uh, and we want to see that and keep on seeing that. You know, so, so this Jezebel dynamic, it, it goes, on, goes on. You can begin to identify it. And then you need to deal with it. Now, Jezebel is not the only higher-level demonic spirit that's around. There are a lot of others. And so whenever you're starting to have communication breakdown, whenever you think, okay, I thought I was absolutely clear in what I said, but somebody has just completely misinterpreted it or distorted it, don't just assume that the other person is an idiot or don't assume that you're just a weak communicator. Start to think maybe there's some spiritual dynamic going on that we need to deal with. Start asking the question. Sometimes it's not, but sometimes there is. So what do we do about it? When we recognize it, when we see that it's going on, how do we engage in this battle? How do we respond? Well, we don't get all super hyper-spiritual. Now, there, there sometimes, you know, people seem to think, well, you know, if I don't do this uh, religious activity, maybe what I need to do is uh, read the Bible from back to front, uh, upside down, uh, in my uh, pajamas, and then that's going to get rid of something. And, and, you know, we can come up with all kinds of things that we have to do. There's nothing that's magic here. There's nothing that's weird here. There's nothing that is extra out of the ordinary here. There's nothing that's hyper-spiritual here. You know, when you have authority in Christ, you don't have to be hyper-spiritual. When you know who you are in Jesus Christ... You don't have to work something up. You just have to act as God has called us to act. So what's the first thing we need to do? First, we need to recognize, that's your first R, recognize that there may be a spiritual issue here. Start to take notes. Start to look at this and say, is this easily explained in a social way? Is it easily explained in a cultural way? Is it easily explained in terms of the flesh? And if it's not, begin to suspect there could be something spiritual going on here. And you should teach your kids for this. You know, this is not an adult activity. This is an every Christian kind of activity. And again, look for it in your workplace. 
Satan wants to destroy your workplace as much as he wants to destroy your home and as much as he wants to destroy the church. So look for it, suspect it, and learn how to recognize it. Now, the second thing we have to do is repent. Repent. Notice there, Jesus said, he said, listen guys, you're doing all kinds of good things. You've got love, you've got faith, uh, you're growing in your works, uh, you're, you're holding steadfast, you're enduring suffering patiently. I mean, all of this stuff is really great, but you know one thing you're, you're doing? You're tolerating Jezebel. You're tolerating the Spirit. One of the first things we have to do is say, Lord, I am sorry. I've been tolerating this. I've been making people the enemy when Satan is the enemy here. I have been acting out of my flesh. I have sinned in these ways. We must first deal with our own issues. When we recognize something's going on, then the next thing we have to do is say, God, show me my sin. Show me where I've been wrong. Show me how I've been tolerating this. Show me how I've made a way for this so I can turn away from that. So we have to recognize what's happening, but then we need to repent. We need to turn away from our own sinfulness. Then the third thing we do is start to resist. Resist. We recognize that there could be a spiritual battle happening here. We repent of our own issues, and then we start to resist. Now, the basic ways that we resist the Spirit is by things like prayer, worship, reading the Scriptures, getting together with Christians. You know, we're not solo combatants in this battle. We need to be together with other believers. So it's really doing the basic stuff that we do as Christians. Some people find it helpful to fast, especially if they feel caught up in a big battle. But do the stuff of our discipleship. Now, one of the most important things that we need to do is not scream at demons, but exalt Jesus. You know, if I'm walking around at night, and uh, I say uh, I've been getting cold medicine because I've had this cold, and so I tend to go to bed just a little bit later than Karen, and uh, so I need to feel where the cold medicine is because I don't want to turn on the light in our, in our, in our bathroom and wake Karen up. You know, so I'm feeling uh, and trying to get it, and, and I know where everything is placed so that I can do it almost like a blind man and I can get it there. But if Karen happens to move anything, then I'm, I'm lost. Uh, and the thing is, now I could get mad at Karen because she moves stuff around uh, over, the, over the sink, I could get mad at the darkness, but you know, neither one of those things will help me even a little bit. I can scream at the darkness, I can scream at my wife, but if I want to have victory, you know what I need to do? Turn on the light. And if we want to have victory resisting the enemy, well, it's not about screaming at the enemy and casting them down, it's about lifting up Jesus. Because when Jesus is lifted up, people will come unto him. And when Jesus is lifted up, the darkness has to flee. So we resist by prayer. We resist by worship. We resist by turning on the light of Jesus. I knew that I had to do that when I was in in, a real period of struggling there in May. So I spent more time praying. I spent more time listening to worship music 
to bring me out of this funk that I'd found myself in because I was under this spiritual attack. I was resisting. I was resisting. And then we need to replace. We need to replace the darkness with the light. We need to replace what's been happening to us by, first of all, ministering in the opposite spirit. So I'm feeling like I need to run away. So you know what I do? I say, God, I'm committing myself to stay even longer. I'm not going to run away. I am going to stay. I am committed. I will follow. I am not going to back down. I am not going to run away. I do not want to be like Elijah did. You know, because I've laughed at Elijah a few times. And I said, guy, why would you run away after you just slaughtered the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven? I mean, after that, Jezebel just a little bitty thing. You know, it's silly to run away. And I'm like, I'm not going to run away. I felt like running away. I understood what Elijah felt like. But I'm like, I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to do it. So you start to replace that. where, Where you've been believing lies, you start to believe the truth. You, know, you get caught up in this. You start believing lies about people. You start believing lies about circumstances. You start believing lies about yourself. I can't deal with this. I can't handle it. I can't overcome it. And you can't live in these lies. Otherwise, the lies will defeat you. Satan himself cannot defeat you unless you believe his lies. So you have to learn how to replace the lies you're believing with the truth Replace the darkness with the light. Replace the the negative thing that's happening with the opposite thing, which would be moving in the opposite spirit. Replace it, replace it, replace it. So we have to recognize what's going on, and this is in order, by the way. If you do this out of order, you will not be successful. You recognize what's going on, you repent. (coughs) Excuse me, whoops, sorry. Sorry to everybody who's listening to that on the internet. Uh, you, you, uh, you recognize what's going on. You repent. You resist. You replace it. And then finally, you remember your responsibility. Remember your responsibility. Do you know what Paul says here in Ephesians 6? Paul doesn't say, okay, church, advance and slaughter Satan. He doesn't say that. Paul doesn't say, okay, church, advance and pin Satan down and scream at him and say, get back to the pit of hell, you foul spirit. He doesn't do that. Paul doesn't say, you've got to really work yourself up for this battle and make sure you push ahead and push ahead and push ahead and gain ground. Paul doesn't say you need to go and you need to slaughter the people in your workplace so that they're replaced with new people, maybe through poisoning or something like that. He doesn't say any of those kinds of things. You know what he tells us to do? To stand. Simply to stand and to stand firm. That is our responsibility. Look what Jesus said there to the guys. He says, I know your works, your love, your faith, service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Jesus says, keep doing this stuff. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep having faith. 
Keep patiently enduring. In other words, stand. Stand. We need to have faithfulness. Faithfulness is absolutely essential. In the battles of the kingdom, the people who tend to lose are the people who are not faithful. If somebody is faithfully standing with Jesus, Satan cannot touch you. Oh, he can make your life a bit uncomfortable, make things a little miserable. But ultimately, you cannot be defeated if you stand faithfully. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. We think that the key to our success often is advancing, but you know, Jesus advances. We're called to stand and to stand with Jesus. And there's one other thing that is the key to all spiritual warfare. Now, a lot of times people will talk to you and they'll say, okay, do, do I need to know the names of demons? No, you don't. They'll say, okay, what's the best prayer to pray? What song should I sing? What should I do here? What should I do here? And you know what people are looking for? They're looking for a formula. They're looking for a way to do it. Maybe how somebody else is do it, and if I do it the way somebody else is do it, then I'll have their results. That never works, by the way. There is one word you need to know, and if you will apply this one word, you will be victorious always in spiritual battles. One word, obey. Or obedience. Simply do what God tells you to do. And keep on obeying until God tells you something else. So often we get caught up in the battle, you know, we want to run or we want to fight. You know, the the fight, flight, or freeze response kicks in. And we want to do all these things and we start wanting to act out of our flesh and we, we want to find creative ways to deal with this stuff when actually, you know, the Lord just requires one thing, obey. Do what he tells you to do. It's going to be different for each person in each situation, but you obey. And if you obey, you will always have victory. Now, that's why the New Testament doesn't talk a lot about what Paul or Barnabas or Peter or John did in terms of strategic level spiritual warfare, dealing with the principalities, powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There wasn't a common strategy that they applied every time they went into a city. They did one thing, obey and obey with faithfulness. And if we obey with faithfulness, we will have victory. And the good news is that God empowers us to do that by His Spirit living inside of us. Jesus died on the cross, defeating the power of sin and Satan so that we could live in freedom. And if you are in Christ, you have freedom, even if you don't know it. And Jesus rose from the dead 
demonstrating that the power of death could not hold him down and nothing of the darkness could contain him. And then God sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us to empower us to live as Jesus lived for the praise of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, bringing glory to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, being part of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit's mission in the world. And the Spirit is living inside of us so that by the Spirit of God, through the Son of God, uh, founded on the Word of God, we can live to honor our Father God. We have all we need for victory right now. We choose to recognize, repent, resist, replace, and remember our responsibility. We will see Jesus exalted in our lives. And we will see God's kingdom advance. And we will see all the powers of hell together defeated. To the glory of Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that we do not have to fear the battles that are going on around us in the spiritual realm. Lord, today, before we go into a time of worship, I just want to pray regarding the spirit of Jezebel that's affected our congregation here uh, the last number of months. I know I'm not the only person that has felt attacked. But Father God, we recognize that there is no person who is our enemy. We recognize that our enemy is Satan and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, of which the Jezebel spirit is just one. And we recognize that some of the issues and struggles we've had have nothing to do with weakness in personality and fleshly patterns of behavior, although we've all cooperated with that to some extent. So right now, Lord God, we choose to repent. We repent of any time we've been tempted or actually began to see our brother or sister in Christ as the enemy. We choose to turn away from that right now in the name of Jesus. We repent, Lord God, of the times when we failed to forgive, we failed to obey you, and we failed to be faithful. And we ask for your forgiveness. Father, as a leader here in, in City Temple, I repent as well of tolerating Jezebel of just not recognizing what was happening and not taking a clear stand against this spiritual reality. And so, Father, I turn away from that now and I commit myself to doing whatever you call me to do to ensure that City Temple is completely free of this thing, both now and into the future. And so, Lord, I pray that you show me, you show our elders, our leaders, what we need to do to once and for all deal with this issue in our fellowship. But I reject the tolerance and I, I say we will not tolerate that anymore. 
And we resist these demonic attacks against us. And we say, we will stand and we will stand faithfully together as long as you call us to do so. And I pray, Father God, that you'd help us to walk in obedience, that you'd show us what it means to obey you fully and freely. Because we do not want to capitulate. We do not want to back down. We want to stand and stand firm in the strength of God with the armor of God on us to see your victory come here in London. To see your victory come in City Temple, Lord God. To see the 7.5 million people surrounding us within a 15-mile radius come to faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord God, we pray that you'd shift the heavenly realms over London. Shift them by the power of your spirit. Shift the the demonic principalities and powers so that people are set free to see the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see Jesus shining brightly and to want to run to Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. The lover of their souls. The source of genuine freedom and hope and promise for their lives and for our nation. So, Lord, help us to remember our responsibility to stand. And here at City Temple, let us stand firm, faithful and obedient. Letting our works exceed what we've done at first, not tolerating any spiritual darkness, but looking boldly and faithfully into the light. Father, I pray that as we worship you today, you would show us the schemes of Satan against us individually, right now that are operating in our workplace or in our schools or in our homes. Reveal Satan's schemes so that we may stand. And after we've done everything you tell us to, to stand firm. We exalt you, we praise you, we worship you, we love you, we adore you, and we thank you for calling us together. In this time of worship, Lord God, we want to exalt your Son, Jesus Christ, as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we want to see your victory come to us. And we want to see the Jezebel spirit and every other spirit of darkness flee from the presence of Jesus in our midst. Let his glory be revealed. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.